Welcome to What the Food with Karen Van Barneveld. Much of the time, we mindlessly consume food without really thinking about what's in it and how it affects us. Not only is some food addictive, it also might be unsafe. On our program, you'll find the answers about why food is addictive, how it affects us, and how to find a safe route to better health. Now, here is your host, Karen Van Barneveld. Hey, this is Karen Van Barneveld with WTF What the Food, where we tell all the dirty little secrets of what's on your plate. And here with me today is a, a dear friend of mine, Frank Ferrante, who's going to help shed a little bit of light on what's on our plates. Thank you, Frank, so much for agreeing to come on my show. Oh, thank you for asking me. Very uh, happy to be here. Yeah. Well, Frank is described as what happens when Tony Soprano meets Deepak Chopra. A <laughs> uh, little, little background story about Frank. He was a 54-year-old Italian-American from working-class Brooklyn, struggling with multiple health issues when he stumbled into a vegan restaurant, of all things, in San Francisco called Cafe Gratitude. Um, by the way, they have a franchise, I believe now. I was at their uh, local one in San Diego not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, he thought vegan was a planet. For decades, Frank Ferrante had been battling drug and alcohol addiction, hepatitis C, and taking a slew of medications. He also had chronic fatigue, joint pain, depression, no sex drive, and weighed close to 300 pounds. He was essentially a big guy with big problems and a big heart. And May I Be Frank, a documentary that explores Ferrante's remarkable reinvention and his alliance with three extraordinary, oh, sorry, alliance. (laughs) The the first one might have been closer to the truth, but okay. Yeah, I coined a new word. (laughs) His alliance with three extraordinary young guys was filmed while Frank went through his life-changing experiment. Fast forward 35 days into his transformational experience, and Frank lost over 54 pounds and all signs of hepatitis C. Frank also reunited with his estranged family in the process and has become something of an accidental rock star since the first screening of May I Be Frank. So, Frank, thanks again for agreeing to shed some light on uh, some of these nutritional deals that are going around with our broken food system. What uh, can you remember back what was going through your mind after the boys at Cafe Gratitude invited you to do this experiment? Uh, uh, Actually, yes. But before we begin, I wanted to uh, correct. I didn't lose 50 pounds in 30 days. Ah. That uh, I don't know how that happened, how that sort of got into the literature. Um, I think think people really want to believe that's possible, but uh, it wasn't for me. I I, I took uh, actually... um, I was uh, over 300 pounds, and it took about um, roughly 18, about 18 months to, you know, to lose it, uh, to drop it. Uh, but what was on my mind, um, it was dark in there. I wasn't, uh, I couldn't see a way out. Uh, things just seemed dismal, and, and um, it was as if uh, uh, just the, the colors were running dry in my in my in my life, in my consciousness. And, and it was, uh, 
uh, I, and I and I was really at a loss as to as to what to do, and f- I felt incredibly lonely and um, and um, um, just kind of just helpless. And I remember when I when I walked, the reason I walked into that restaurant at all was because um, I was uh, uh, I was in San Francisco, and I I have a cousin, Michelangelo. That's his real name, and he's not a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I uh, he was he was ill, and I was going, and he's from Sicily, and I was going to go get some Italian uh, uh, movies at this place that had, was specialized in San Francisco, a neighborhood I normally didn't go to. And you know, like people talk about signs and omens. Well, you know, I I saw a sign, but I I, I needed a really a billboard. I didn't need something. I needed something more than something subtle. And in the distance, I saw a sign that said "Cafe Gratitude," and um, and then in the uh, um, uh, in the twelve step world, in the AA world, uh, gratitude is a central virtue. You know, a, a typical common, a typical saying is, "A grateful heart will not drink." Uh-huh. So I, I thought it was somebody from AA that was being clever and opened up a coffee shop named Cafe Gratitude. <laughs> so I, I went there expecting to find a whole bunch of alcoholics and ex-junkies <laughs> engaging in hyperbolic conversations. And so I went there to have a cup of coffee and talk to some junkies. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and then I, I get there and, and I, you know, and I, and the other thing is that when you're in that state, when you're like, when you're that obese and that, you're so incredibly, you know, just incredibly lonely. And, uh, and so I used to ring my own doorbell to hear what a visitor would sound like. (laughs) So I I go to this place and I hope, excuse excuse me. I go to this place, I open the door and I'm met with a barrage of salutations. Hi, welcome. Come on in. Glad you're here. It was like 18 years worth of greetings in two seconds. And, uh, but I'm looking around and something's not right. You know, there's like, there's nobody, you know, no, no coffee pot, no stove, no junkies. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and so I walk over to the, the you know, Ryland, the, you know, the kid that works there. And he was a kid at the time and go to shake his hand. I said, Hey man, I had, I had to have a cup of coffee and cafe gratitude. I figure somebody here is in recovery. And he looks at me and says, we're all recovering from something, aren't we? Yeah. And, and I immediately knew he was not in the 12-step world and just figured he <laughs> smoked a joint before going to work. And uh, why? Because everybody looks so happy and shiny and, you know, and slender and all of that. And uh, and I started frequenting the place, not because of, of the food or anything like that, but because of the loneliness. And these people were so friendly and warm and welcoming. And it was as if uh, I was being seen for the first time. Because one of the ironies, you know, is, is that when you're fat, you feel, in, you feel invisible. Mm. And, and, uh, and I started going there every day. And I would order something, you know, to legitimize my being there. Um, but uh, as soon as I left, I would go to the nearest all-you-can-eat Indian buffet restaurant. <laughs> because at 300 pounds, you can't survive on leaves, or so I thought. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, and one day, uh, uh, Rylan comes to my table, and he goes, Hey, Frankie, you know that movie supersized me? 
I said, yeah, that's where that young, healthy guy eats himself sick, you know, with fast food. He says, well, we want to do something similar. We want to take a guy who's not well, which was a rather generous description of my condition at the time. And uh, we want to, you know, feed them this kind of food and, you know, go to holistic health practitioners, do colonics and stuff. And <clears throat> we want to film it. We want you to be the guy. And, um, <laughs> and I, I swear, I thought nothing of it. These, you know, there were three guys that, you know, three young guys that, that worked at this place, Connor, Ryland, and, and Carrie. They were so young, they could have shared a razor for six months and still be sharp. I mean, they were young. <laughs> And, uh, um, and I said, sure, why not? As I continued eating my salad or whatever, I thought nothing of it. And, uh, the next thing I know, and they didn't, you know, uh, the, and besides that, nobody had any filmmaking experience at all. I had the most filmmaking experience cause I had seen the most movies. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, strangely enough, uh, a camera showed up. They didn't have a camera. Somebody showed up with a camera uh, they went and uh, they went to Home Depot and got some PVC pipe for a to make a boom for a boom mic, and um, and thus began this this uh, this journey. And now the the thing, uh, and I never used to use this kind of language. Don't worry, I'm not swearing. Uh, the, <laughs> I, but I, I at this point because uh, we're, we're getting ready for a ten year reissue. It was divinely inspired and guided because none of us knew what we were doing. We did not really have a vision for first, certainly didn't have a vision for the final product. And as a result, um, the film, in my view now, is a tool um, to enable people to see that, that whatever they want to do is positive. It's a, it's a testament to redemption and idealism. You know, to, mm -hmm. to endeavor into something without knowing the how or why. But the idea is, is so bright and so powerful that it drives one in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, and so I'm, I'm very, uh, very grateful to, uh, to have been a part of it. But, and, and the thing is, uh, when people ask me, how did I lose the weight? Uh, what I with my response is that I didn't lose the weight. I let go of what didn't belong to me. Yeah. Because when you become that overweight, uh, that careless about your well-being, uh, there's some. The food is 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 a, is symptomatic of a deeper underlying condition. Sure. Um, uh, the food becomes like heroin or crack or or booze. Mm -hmm. it, it's it, because there are people that lose the weight, but if they don't do the inner work. The you know, corresponding inner work, you know, be you know, they'll look good and be miserable. Right, right. Yeah. Well, in the film, you um, and which, by the way, I've seen I think three times now, well, uh, because uh, uh, we took it to a local uh, recovery house and showed it there, and then uh, at another place. Anyway, in the film, you went through a lot of detoxing and cleansing on film. And at one point, you had some serious adverse effects from that. Um, I believe they, you were MIA for uh, one morning check-in. And without getting too graphic, can you tell us what you believe was happening in your body? Sure. I, I, and I, I can be graphic without being gross. And I, and I think, you know, <laughs> I, I would imagine that the overwhelming majority of your audiences are mature adults. Um, what happened was... Uh, 
I did start uh, when I the first week was uh, strictly a liquid uh, a liquid uh, diet, for want of a better word, um, and you know green drinks and that sort of thing, and a bunch of and a number of colonics, and I I you know, just you know the the evacuation of all that whatever is in there, all the toxic stuff that's in there. Um, you know, it, it knocked me out. I couldn't leave the house, and and uh, you know, partly because of the you know the the the, the physical uh, result, you know, the physical um, result of you know taking all that green stuff, but also I just felt depleted, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that that uh, with any kind of detoxification, whether it's you know it's some kind of uh, um, uh, whatever, it, whether it's drugs or whether it's you know, whether it's, you know, going into another food regimen or just engaging in any kind of transformational experience, you are, it's inevitable that you have an interlude of discomfort and sometimes Mm -hmm. pain when you're doing that. And it's not a punishment. It's just a a result of, of, uh, of, of behaviors and toxic and toxic intake. And as it leaves my body, as it leaves anybody's body, you're, you know, it's going to be a downtime. You just, it's not going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Well, um, with relation to nutrition and eating real food, what do you know more about today than when you struggled to get healthy before? Well, aside from the, uh, the intellectual stuff, the, the data, uh, I learned has started. I learned to listen to my body because when you're toxic, you're getting you mixed signals, and you, you're. I didn't even really know how to discern what my body was telling me. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that you know, the cleaner I got, you know, uh, food wise and just food wise, uh, I, I started noticing particular and specific reactions to certain foods. So let's say, for example. Um, there was a, a, a pastry or something that my mind remembered as pleasurable. Once I cleaned up, um, it didn't feel good when I ate it, but my memory of it was still, I still had that pleasure association with it or escape association with it. But when I cleaned up my body and, and I would eat, some, I mean, I'd eat something that wasn't good for me, I would feel it immediately. And I'll give you a quick story. I was uh, in Kansas City at a screening and and it was an evening uh, it was an evening show, and after the Q and A, the folks that held uh, that hosted me wanted to take me out, not kill me, but take me out to a, <laughs> a restaurant. And the only thing that was open was a cheesecake factory. Oh my gosh! So, well, you know, they, you can get by this like vegetarian. Yeah. But here's what happened: when I was um, when I was eating ter- when I was eating against my best interest. One of my favorite things was white truffle raspberry cheesecake Oof. with not, not just a dollop of whipped cream, but like a softball thing of whipped cream. <laughs> so, you know, I go to the restaurant and there it is on the menu after the dinner. I thought, you know, you know then when the waitress comes around and says, well, anybody want any dessert? And I thought, hell, well, I've been good for two years. At that point, it's two years. I've been good for two years. Let me try a piece of this cake. Karen, I took two bites and I thought I was going to retch at the table. Oh. And, and the level of pleasure that my mind associated with that was in conflict with the way my body was feeling. So mm-hmm. I had to like refire, re- readjust my brain pattern, 
which is part of the deal, right? You're readjusting your brain uh, patterns. So uh, I think that answered your question. (laughs) Because I don't remember what the question was. (laughs) (laughs) No, you did, man. You did answer it. And uh, during your uh, filming of the May I Be Frank you you had to try a lot of different healing modalities that you'd not tried before. Right. Can you talk about those different uh, holistic healing modalities? Uh, well, uh, first, I wanted to say I had a I had a great deal of uh, yeah, it's not um, sc- kind of like scorn for this stuff. I thought it was. I really thought a lot of it was like namby pamby BS. Yeah. And then and then. I started, you know, when I got, when I really was in a position to experience it, you know, I started to learn about how much I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like, like aromatherapy and, and uh, you know, colonics and things like that. But um, when I started to, when I, when I started to do it, um, I, I, I forgot what, what was that? I'm sorry. What was the question again? What other healing modalities? Oh, did you yeah. Use? So, so you know, what other ones? Yeah. And so I was uh, getting into a tangent about the results. But I, start, <laughs> I started, you know, like I, I just, you know, like I didn't, I'm a, you know, like half a gangster from New York. You know, like I wasn't a bad guy. Just like I grew up with people like that in, in the 50s and Sicilian working class neighborhoods. The idea of these things was really antithetical to anything I grew up with. And yet here I was being, um, kindly instead of being beaten into another way of being here i was being gently nudged into a, a into a way of opening my heart and so i i was doing aromatherapy i did massage i did reiki i did um um uh, you know countless colonics and and uh but you know i think of all of those things you know because there's not one thing that, you know but there's all this confluence of things, but the most important thing, Karen, was that I was, people were paying attention to me and, and really and being so kind and loving every day. And I was so unkind to myself. I was so mm-hmm. cruel to myself. You know, there's a saying, if anybody treated me the way I treated myself, I'd have to kill them. You know, and, and, um, and you know, so all those other components were significant and, and uh, valuable and effective to one extent or another. But the overriding thing was the love uh, yeah. that enabled me to open my heart, therefore open my mind and, let's, and let some really dark stuff out. Because, you know, you open your, your heart gets pried open and the, the, all, all the uh, stories and, and terrible notions that one develops over the years that block one's ability for love start to dissolve. And that was the other thing is I stopped eating so badly um, and was exposed to this love. All the mechanisms I had about self-doubt and, and all the stories, they, you know, they couldn't, I couldn't sustain them and do this practice at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, which doesn't mean I have ascended into, a, you know, into an <laughs> unimaginable frequency of wonder and magic. Um, <laughs> But you know what? I got my life back, and I have yeah. my dark days, you know, you know, and all that stuff like everybody else. They just don't last as long. Yeah. Well, you had uh, a really great coaching team there that put you through, you know, a lot of positive affirmations daily. You had yep. to yep. tell yourself that you loved yourself. You had to look in the mirror and 
you know, I hated you, that, by the way. I, I remember. I remember I seeing that. You I hated really, that. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable for you. It was very obvious. Right. And uh, at one point after a massage, I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but uh, you had a very emotional um, kind of break, not breakdown, but an emotional break or release you want to talk about that? Well, or? Yeah, it, it, you know, it was a really, uh, 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 the, the, the studio where there was a massage studio and uh, it's kind of a wellness, uh, wellness center, a holistic wellness center headed by the, an MD, but everybody else was kind of holistic. And, and, uh, and it was odd because I, I, I was on a massage table and I got, first I got uncomfortable because the guy was gay, right? So like that hit stuff, right? That immediately triggered, um, you know, some stuff that ancient stuff. And so I'm lying on the table and, uh, but I'm going to go through with it, right? And so as the guy is, you know, as I'm getting, as the, as the massage therapist was, you know, doing his thing, he hit upon a place between my shoulder blades that has bothered me you know on and off my whole life where it was like you know debilitating cramps and during the massage I realized and I got flashback on the time I was fighting with my brother and he and I used to fight when we were young and I remember this one time in particular we were fighting and he was trying he's two years younger than me and he was trying to get away from me and with all my might and deliberate intent uh, I, I I wanted to hurt him, and I and as he's running away, I I, the, I got I punched him, in on in his back at that very spot, that was between my shoulders, mm. and and it was like I I had, I had incorporated physiologically the 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 the, the grief I felt about that, and I had it all my life, and this guy blew it up. And as a result, um, I brought it up to my brother. I mean, this was like 20 years ago or something. I brought it up with my brother and I made amends and it's never bothered me ever again. <laughs> um, and, um, and so, you know, things like that were really like milestones and serious breakthroughs. I mean, I, I just, because I learned that, that the, the, the pain that you, that you cause others is, you know, is, is, it's inseparable from the pain you incur on yourself. Yeah, it's, it's it, they're inseparable. You don't get away with anything. It it may appear that way, but um, I don't believe you get away with anything. No, I believe that myself. So um, you mentioned that you're no longer on the medications that you were on prior to detoxing and cleansing. Uh, no, I, I was well because I was being treated for hepatitis C. I, I was on so many medications. I, I didn't even know what they were for. I, they just prescribed them, and they said they were necessary protocol for this. Um, the necessary protocol for this treatment, and you know, and so, um, you know, it's antidepressants, uh, Vicodin, um, uh, well, some anti-nausea stuff. Uh, you know, and weekly injections of uh, abdominal injections of interferon, ribavirin. My mouth tasted like lead for like a year, and mm. uh, you know, it's it's a uh, the the treatment at the time was similar a similar treatment that they administered to women with breast cancer. So it was like sort of a 
a lightweight chemo, you know, if one could say lightweight chemo in the same sentence, but mm-hmm. um, uh, so, yeah. And so little by little, I was able to uh, re- release myself, you know, free myself from these meds. I'm not on anything now except, you know, like a little hormone adjustment and, you know, but uh, other than that, you know, it's, uh, I'm good. You're good. You're clean. I, and, 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 and just to be honest, you know, I did, <laughs> I got to do some work because I did get a little COVID weight. Uh, but, uh, you know, certainly nothing like before, but I mean, um, you know, I had a knee replacement and I, so I stopped working out for a while and, and, uh, I just, I got a little lazy, but I'll, I'm going to get back on the horse after this because now people are going to wonder and they're going to ask me and I'm going to be embarrassed. <laughs> Oh, no ego. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's a, it's a minute-by-minute minute chore to recognize the ego first and then work on it. So if somebody wants to watch your film, is it still on Gaia or FMTV? Well, FMTV, uh, it's like I think they either merge or or they sold uh, sold their catalog. I think catalog they sold to, to Gaia. And so there's two ways uh, you can see it. One is if you're a member of Gaia, of course. The other is you go to Amazon, and I think it's a dollar ninety nine to watch it. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, how does one uh, find? Frank Ferrante. Is it on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, any of those? Well, I don't do Twitter. Uh, uh, I just, I, you know, like I, I'm, I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, mm-hmm. But um, uh, I could, I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram. But I don't check it that much. Tweeting, and I don't tweet. I, I don't, no, I don't. That sounds, <laughs> that looks like, oh, my God. That's like, no, I don't think I want to enter into that plumbing pipe no i think i'll stay away from there <laughs> All um, right. and uh and you know people can re- see, find me on facebook if you want to do okay. if you want to talk to me personally you can message me that's fine and all right and uh you know okay. I'm, like nowadays i'm so easy to find which is one of the reasons i don't commit crime anymore because, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it takes nothing to find everybody anymore uh-huh well, if uh, anyone wants to call in and ask Frank any questions, you can reach us at 866-472-5792. And coming up after the break, we'll be talking more with Frank about uh, life in Brooklyn, maybe, and what he's doing today to help others in recovery. And we'll talk about talk a little bit more about nutrition and food deserts, etc. So join us. Come back. We're looking forward to seeing you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent. 
Inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you confused about what to eat? What's really in some of the foods you've been eating and how they affect the health of you and your loved ones? Did you know that what people eat can affect addictive behaviors? How did food get to be so confusing, so toxic, and so addictive? When and why did this start? What is safe and where can I find it? Join Karen Van Barneveld and her guests to find answers to many of your important questions on What the Food? Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. You're listening to What the Food. To reach Karen Van Barneveld or her guest on the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Karen at whatthefoodfilm.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to WTF What the Food. I'm with my friend. Frank Ferrante, the star of the documentary, <laughs> May I Be Frank. <laughs> Sorry, and that's the, uh, yeah, the, a little bit of hyperbole there, but okay. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about uh, Frank's experience with the Cafe Gratitude in San Francisco and his food experiments that turned into much more than being just about food. It was about his own, how, what would you call it, Frank? Your redemption, well, your... Yeah, redemption. Everybody wants to go home, you know, and everybody's looking everywhere else, but, you know, but it's like, it's inside. It's all an inside job. And, and uh, it's, the, the food is, a, is a, you know, eating, right, and taking care of yourself is a vehicle towards heart opening and, and towards, you know, towards wisdom. And, um, and, uh, that's the, I mean, that's my experience to it. You know, I mean, I, I think that, um, had I not started that, that journey in that way and, and I, and there's a part of me that must've wanted to do it, but I, I really, it's like, you look around at the world today and in a way, you know, we all know what the problems are and, you know, but it's like, if we could devote as much energy and, and, uh, intelligence and wisdom towards solutions as we do to pointing out what's wrong with everybody and everything, I think it would uh, serve us a lot better. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned going home. When you were growing up in Brooklyn, um, what was your experience eating around the family table? Uh, you mean besides the screaming and fighting? Um, yeah, besides that. Well, I mean, that's, that's really not good for your digestion, just so you folks yeah, well, know. Well, uh, it, it may be a little, uh, a little unique. I'm not really sure, but I, I think it might be. I grew up uh, in a very, very Italian neighborhood. My parents came after World War II in 1947. And uh, talk about food scarcity. My mother used to tell me that the good Germans used to leave her the peel of the onions because um, they would take everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, using, boiling the bark of trees. I mean, that kind of desperation, uh, never knowing if you when, when and if the next meal was coming. So when I was a kid, uh, you know, my mother fed us like the Germans who were around the corner. Um, and I remember specifically that, you know, like I'd come home from school. I was a little kid in grade school, and I'd open the refrigerator to, you know, get some, get a snack. And I, and my mother, literally, if she was walking by, she would genuflect and make the sign of the cross in front of the refrigerator, and then go about her business. And I didn't really understand what that, you know, like I didn't understand that. I didn't know. I had no frame of reference. But uh, so there was like always you know just like uh, never leave anything on your plate uh, you know mm-hmm. just just like a really the f- food was was and and my mother used to tell me that food was more valuable than money because sometimes they had money but there was no food to buy and so mm. there was always this like you know I, I i was as a kid i was they used to call it husky i was fat they called it <laughs> they called it husky they gave it a nice name Sort of like you know, like you know, associative thinking rather than scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that was my orientation, you know. And uh, um, so I answered that question. Yes, but, you I did. Mean, the, by, by the by, the way, though, the food, it, you know, even though you know they packed it in, right? It was always like you know, it's like a, such a big deal. Um, it was pure, right? Because mm-hmm. you went to the vegetable store to get the vegetables excuse me, you went to the butcher to get meat and there was no supermarkets. You know, yeah. I, I remember AM, AMP as a, was a supermarket AMP. on the East Coast. You know, they showed up, but nobody trusted it because everything was in a can. So, yeah. um, so, so I think in, in the, at least in that respect, the food was actually uh, much purer than it is now. Nobody was, you know, nobody was um, glucose. Um, Gluten-free. Uh, you know, it was, nobody even knew what that was. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so a lot of these, uh, a lot of these maladies weren't there. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Well, so, except uh, obesity. You know, well, yeah. It, yeah. People, people definitely started to, you know, but, uh, but even then, you know, people were not mostly, mostly it was the older people that became obese because again, the food was pure. People were active. They, you know, and, and, and you know, no, very few people had a car because we had a subway. So there was a mm-hmm. lot of walking, um, you know, and people like to, there was, there was a, people were a little more active uh, than they are now. For, yeah. First of all, not every, and, and this is going for so far back, not everybody had a television. You right. know, like if you had a TV, you know, other people from the block would go to your house to watch Ed Sullivan. Yeah. You know, so, right. <laughs> so, so there, there was um, 
uh, and there wasn't like TV turn. You know, I, I don't know if people could imagine this, but like by, by midnight, the, there was nothing to watch. The, the, TV, the TV stations all closed down. Yeah, yeah. So, the, you know, people walked a lot and there yeah. was a lot more activity. There weren't, you know, so I think that that was, um, you know, that and the food being clean pretty much at the time. Um, so that was yeah. my experience. But, but then like when TV dinners came out, we didn't know that they were bad. I mean, it was like a marvel, of, you know, like, you know, w- women stayed at home and it was like, you know, a lot of, a lot was a tough life. And all of a sudden this incredible convenience, you, you buy four boxes of the Swanson food and you feed the whole family, throw that stuff in the oven with effortlessly, no dishes, no nothing. Mm-hmm. So it looked like a good thing. It was presented like a good thing and thus started all that is processed food um, problems that we have now. Yeah. Well, fast forward a little bit, um, actually quite a lot. What, what do you feel? <laughs> well, how do you feel about uh, what's happening with the uh, food in the U.S. relative I, I, to I had, processed and food deserts, scarcity? Uh, well, you know, obviously, um, obviously we're, we're in trouble uh, in so many ways. I mean, the idea that we even have a phrase, food deserts, uh, food insecurity. I mean, just the fact that we have, we put those two words in the mm-hmm. same sentence to me is absolutely reprehensible. And, um, and it reflects, you know, it reflects, a, it's not just the food, the food reflects the socioeconomic and, and, and political um, framework that we're, that we're working with. And, um, and uh, under the guise of liberty and freedom, you know, that, that you know, uh, deregulation to the point where we're killing ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and so to me, you know, really it's, it's, uh, it's, it requires leadership that uh, is informed by compassion, intelligence, and wisdom. And, and, um, and, and as if, you know, and people, when I say that to people, they always, it's amazing how much they, how often they say, yeah, but you can't really make money that way. How absurd is that? How yeah. absurd is, is that, that, that thinking? And, uh, and it's prevalent that somehow there has to be some kind of sinister element in order for you to succeed and not feel de- deprived. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, so the, the, I always thought, you know, hey, DuPont, if you got to make chemicals, why don't you make good ones, you know? Yeah, um, and don't put them uh, in our food. Yeah, don't, you know, like, you know, do the right, you know, God forbid, do the right thing. That's not left. That's not radical. That's not communist or socialist or whatever. It's just do the right thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you, if you, you know, no matter what your political leanings, what do you want to feed your kids? Exactly. You know? I mean, we you all love our children. Your, what do you want to feed yourself? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's not left, right, or center. That's that's just like you it's know, common sense. Just, yeah, which is not very common, as Mark no, it's Twain not. Said. <laughs> uh, but but I think um, you know, I, I just um, it really it's a matter of leadership and and uh, and also you know um, you know where you put your money, like where you shop. The unfortunate thing is, like, you know, like I've noticed, like, if I shop at Whole Foods as opposed to shopping at Safeway, it's probably somewhere around 35% difference in mm-hmm. cost. 
you know, um, so, I mean, I, that's one of the things that you know, needs to be addressed as well. Well, the, the whole thing about that is, you know, when people tell me I can't afford to eat organic, it's like, well, okay, can you afford to pay the doctor, pay for the pharmaceuticals, right. be, be unable to go to work because you're sick? Um, and when you're eating good, healthy food, your body recognizes it as good, healthy food, and it doesn't turn on those hunger Right, exactly. Uh, hunger, hunger hormones and hunger exactly. uh, s- signals in your body so that you want to eat more. When you're eating processed foods, they're made with chemicals and additives to make you want more so that you will eat more and more and more and get sick. And it's almost as if the, you know, big food and big pharma are working together. It's well, uh, it, it's crazy, it's and then food food deserts. Go ahead. No, no, please. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, uh, food deserts. You know, when when you're in these poor neighborhoods, and all they have is a a little corner Seven Eleven or fast uh, fast food or something like that. Gun they don't have liquor stores. Yeah, they don't have any fruits. They don't have any vegetables. And what they do have is frozen, and it's, there's no nutrition in it whatsoever. And that's why they're called food deserts. And they're all over the United States. They're all over the world, and especially in the under underserved populations. And that's where we have the higher uh, diabetes, obesity, you know, all these diseases that can be turned around if they can find and eat real nutritious food, real clean food. So there's my and, rant. And, you know, and, and here's the thing. I, I, don't, I, I really believe that the solution to, those, to these things that we're talking about are not such, you know, it's not like, you know, splitting the atom. You know, it, it's really, it's really, uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's just really the, the political will um, to do the right thing, mm-hmm. it's you know again you know putting f- you know putting food, uh, good food, on everybody's table again is not splitting the atom. Yeah. It's just a shift in in the in our perceptions and in the way and in the way we we just do business. Uh, mm-hmm. The stock the stockholder the relationship to the stockholder needn't or shouldn't be sacrosanct. That, right. That it, that it overrides every other consideration. There, you know, there should be like three or four considerations when you when a big corporation makes a decision. You know, is this good for the environment? Is it good for the overall health of the country? You know, I mean, you can make money and still have those considerations. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and, and again, I don't think that's left, right, or center. That's not radical thinking. You know, it's it's uh, you know, what kind of a society do we want? It's compassionate, you know, I mean, compassionate I, I mean, I, thinking. I, I, I have, you know, I have a. The thing, you know, if if I may, it's like, you know, guys like Bezos, right? I mean, this guy has an opportunity to be a superhero. You know, he could be Batman or Green Lantern. Instead, his aspiration is to be the first trillionaire. Is this is this food <laughs> going to get better? Is it going to bring him more love? In fact, I would I I would posit that that the more money you have, the harder it is to trust anybody to open up so that you can open up your heart. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's, I, you know, I really think that the, the whole thing about more 
is the, behind it is the idea that somehow it's going to get them the love that they want. Yeah. Otherwise, if you have a if you have five million dollars, why do you want ten? You know, it's it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's insanity, literally insanity. And more is just more sometimes. That's all. <laughs> you know, Bill uh, Bill Maher uh, uh, was asked. He was on a talk show, and they were at, he was out being interviewed, and he said he said something that I thought was like I think out of all the years that I've watched him, I thought it was the most wonderful thing he ever said. They asked him, uh, why does he turn down so many jobs? Uh, you know, that, you know that, and he said, he said, you know, he said, people offer me stupid money. He said, but I don't want to do it because I like my life. And, and even, if that, even if I did get that money, it wouldn't change my lifestyle at all. And he goes, well, so why do I want to devote time to something, you know, that I don't need? I'm doing enough of it. I'm very happy with what I got. He says, I don't, I don't collect cars. I, I'm not a drug addict. I, you know, I have more than I need. So, mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, what a concept. <laughs> you know, I don't need to make that money because it's not going to change my lifestyle. I, right. you know, it was like, wow. Who, you know, so, you know, I would suggest that idea to anybody. It doesn't mean you've got to you know, give up ambition or anything like that. It's yeah. just like, man, where, you know, where's the kindness? Where's the wisdom? Where's the intelligence? Right. And, you know, and, and even you can do that from a selfish standpoint, not, you know, in negative selfishness, but look, if you practice those things, look how much better your life will be. Anyway. Yeah. Well, when the, since the, fam- the uh, film came out, you've been uh, working in several rehab facilities off and on. What do yeah. you convey to addicts today about nutrition as part of staying clean? Well, uh, that, you know, I was working in a place in D.C., uh, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience where I got to witness um, suffering on a level that uh, is, is unimaginable. Um, some people, this was in a very poor part of town, um, you know, people were in trouble before they were even born, you know, mm. because of the behaviors of the mother and the father. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I was what I was uh, fortunate and privileged to witness was was on the other side of that um, the the resilience and the beauty of the human spirit for its desire its desire for love. But I would I got a juicer a really good juice I got the uh, the, the uh, my my boss to invest in a really good juicer and uh, a top of the line and I would make these juices I'd get all these fresh vegetables. They looked nice because they were really colorful. And then I would, and I would uh, walk around with a stack of paper cups and a pitcher of this freshly made juice, <laughs> which these people, you know, these folks had never seen that. And most of them were mm-hmm. street people. And then I would give them, some of them were freaked out by it. I mean, literally, like they, they were freaked out by it. And others thought, one, some people said, wow, this feels good right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like an immediate response to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so just, you know, not pushing anything down anybody's throat, but just kind, you know, gent- gently exposing them to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, some people became very receptive. Uh, I've also uh, spoken in prisons a number of times, four times. Like, this, like you know, I just done, uh, done a, a number of prison screenings and talks. And, uh, you know, and uh, people were interested. But, there, you know, people... People are scared of, of change, you know, like yeah. they, they, especially when they have, when people have very little, 
um, and are in survival mode all the time, whatever they've adopted as part of their survival concept, like maybe it is that hamburger or that McDonald's meal, that's like, you know, that's a big deal to them. And to suggest that they um, let it go, it doesn't work. What's, what I have found most effective is bringing stuff in and then eclipsing certain things. Like you bring in something rather than take away. Mm-hmm. And then so you, they don't, you know, you're not, you're not taking something away. You're putting something in and sometimes that edges the other stuff out little by little. Right. I, uh, in a, talked to a, a friend recently who was in federal prison for some time and he mentioned that uh, at one point he and a, another inmate friend of his were outside and they saw a big semi pulling up to the commissary and no lie on the back of this truck it said not for human consumption Jeez. and I know that the food in prison isn't really food. It's it's just uh, a it's, mixture of chemicals and additives. It's, it's just fill, it's filler, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's horrible, horrible stuff. Well, I got one big question for you, Frank. Early in the film, you were asked what you wanted the most from life before you die, and I think your answer was something like you wanted to fall in love again and get a degree. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you got a degree. What did you get it in? Well, I uh, got two, actually. Uh, oh. One in, uh, yeah, because more is better. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, one is uh, in, in uh, history, uh, and the other one is in humanities. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I got to study Gandhi for a year. A real, a real moneymaker, I might add. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um so, uh, yeah, so I did that. Oh, and, uh, well, because I, I wanted to fall in love again. And, yes. Uh, and, yes, I, I have. I, I'm, in, I, I'm in the most extraordinary relationship imaginable. I, I sometimes have to pinch myself. Uh, the other night I had a, uh, a friend. You know, a friend of mine was driving through. It's from L.A., and he was, he's, a, a, a song, uh, he's a cinematographer and a song a musician, uh, really a virtuoso musician, he uh, he loves country music and he's a writer. And uh, Jill, who is my sweetheart, is also among other things. She's a sculptor and a painter, but she's also a songwriter, a wonderful songwriter. And there I am sitting in my living room, and my friend Corey is playing. A, they're playing dueling songs, right? He play a song that he wrote. She's <laughs> playing a song that she wrote, and I'm sitting on the couch. I started weeping. I thought. Yeah, she's a vegan, so I eat, I, you know, I uh, a vegan meal at least every day, uh, green juice every day. I mean, it's it's uh, I, I mean it's extraordinary. I you know, like I make a, she doesn't I make a joke that she doesn't like that. I say sometimes I think she has me confused with somebody else. <laughs> you know, uh, she doesn't like it when I say that, but I you know I think it all the time. I thought you know what in the world? How did I land here? And uh, and um, you know, there's something to be said about living in a loving home, and and uh, and um, it's a very—I got to tell you—it's it's a very healing. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really—I didn't know that I was like this nice a guy. You know, I had no uh-huh. idea. I thought I was a—you know—not a particular you know, pretty prickly, ornery, 
irritable guy, and maybe I was, but ah, Frankie, uh, there's something to be said <laughs> about um, really because you know the relationship is no different than a garden. You know, you really got to tend to it. Yeah, and uh, fortunately, both of us have had uh, a lot of dress rehearsals, and I, and I, for one, know exactly what not to do, and good, uh, and, good. and I don't do those things, even if I'm not sure what to do. Uh, at times, um, but I know what not to do, and good. what you know, and those the, the things that I know not to do have caused me and other people a great deal of anguish and pain, and. I but just, that's how we that's how we learn, right? And I, and I choose not to live that way anymore. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to remind our listeners to like our show on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and give us five star ratings. And again, you can find out more information about our topics of discussion today on all the top social media platforms. And please click on my host page to watch the What the Food 8-Minute Documentary trailer. Maybe get a copy of my God Made Organics, Not GMOs book. (laughs) And pre-order my new cookbook that's just coming out, hopefully before Christmas, titled What the Food, Cooking Organically. And all these uh, proceeds will go towards the... Uh, whatthefoodfilm.org nonprofit, which you might want to uh, make a tax-deductible donation to on the site before the year's end. And feel free to check out heavenlyyoga.com. That's Heavenly Yoga with one Y, Heavenly Oga. To subscribe to my yoga classes available 24-7 for under $11 a month. Can't beat that. Or join my partner and Mindy and me for a revitalizing retreat at Harmony and Heart Retreats in gorgeous and serene Sedona next year. Everybody's going to need a retreat. Believe me, it's not the same as (laughs) staying home under orders. Just click the banner here on the host page or go to harmonyandheart.com to check out our early bird $500 discounts. There's limited availability on that. And... Tune in next week for my interview with John Gray, best-selling author of the Mars-Venus books. Oh, John. Yeah. John's approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. And thank you again, Frank, for sharing your story with our listeners. I I really, really appreciate you coming on and brightening up my day. Do I, do I have a moment? I just want to just have a, just a really quick moment. I just want to, just for, for your audience, I just want to acknowledge you, Karen, uh, that, uh, you know, that you've, your, your level of commitment and dedication to improving the, our, all our well-being. And, and also you, you've turned some tragedies into your life, into something that serves others the ultimate in uh-huh. the, the human experience of what a human being can do Thank rather, you. Than, rather than stay stuck in that place. You took that and you brought it to us. And thank I just want to uh, thank you for your undying commitment to the betterment of all of us. All right. My pleasure. Always, always folks be kind to yourselves. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining host Karen Van Barneveld and What the Food. 
Be sure to tune in for another episode next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again soon.